0: Well, I invite you all to turn with me in your Bibles uh, to Joshua chapter 21. Joshua is that one, two, three, four, five, sixth book of the Bible in the Old Testament there, Joshua chapter 21, and we are uh, entering the fourth quarter, if you will, the ninth inning, getting close to the end of our series in Joshua. I'll say more about that in a week or two, but I will mention that we are Beginning in June we'll start a summer sermon series and whereas we have uh, somewhat tediously I'm sure spent the last five months working through a full 24 chapters of the book of Joshua we'll spend about two months in June and July walking through just One verse of Scripture, the fruit of the Spirit, we're going to look at and look at those nine different uh, demonstrations of that fruit. So we'll breathe a little bit there. As you'll see today, we've got some more uh, valuable but uh, but challenging territory to plow through in, in Joshua. But I think God is touching our lives and blessing us each week. I hope He is. And today we come to this remarkably climactic point in the book of Joshua the place, in a sense, that we looked at so many chapters ago in Joshua chapter 1 as the people began to step out into the promised kingdom that God was providing for them. And we recall, as we've seen along the way, that they didn't completely fulfill all that He had for them to do and, in fact, were lacking in some significant areas. But on the whole, for the most part, As God went before them, they have now fulfilled much of what He invited them to do in advancing His kingdom. And so now they're able to rest, to begin to settle in that land that was promised to them. And as they started out, though, having to trust God to step out in faith, so too we discover in our passage today, trust, trust and confidence in the Lord is required for God's people to trust Him and also to trust one another as a body, as a group. And that's the same for us today, whether you're just visiting in the last couple of weeks or you've been here for the almost four years that we've existed as a church, as we have seen God go before us, beginning with 12 families, having about 60 families in our church. And it's not just about the numbers of people, but it's about God being faithful to do what He's promised to do. And we're reminded that as we are at this place and can look back on much of what God has done and look forward as well to what He'll do in the future, that the two beautiful things that He beckons us to do are to simply trust Him and also to trust and love one another. You'll see that in these verses, it might be just a tad obscured, but I think you'll see it as we look at a few verses in Joshua chapter 21, and then focus for the most part on Joshua chapter 22. I'll let you remain seated this week, because there's a a good bit for us to read, and, and, and I would invite you just to focus in on those verses as I'm reading. Joshua 21, we'll start in verses 1 and go through verse 3, and then jump to the end. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites came to Eleazar the priest, and to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel. And they said to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, The Lord commanded through Moses that we be given cities to dwell in, along with their pasture lands for our livestock. So by command... Of the Lord, the people of Israel gave to the Levites the following cities and pasture lands for their inheritance. We're going to skip the specific descriptions of that, but trust me, they got what they had asked for and were promised. Those Levites, those uh, church religious leaders, spiritual leaders, I guess they would be called the Levites. And jump down with me to verse 41 where it says the cities of the Levites in the midst of the possession of the people of Israel were all 48 cities with their pasture lands. These cities each had its pasture lands around it, so it was with all these cities. And then listen to this, so important for us today. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as He had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. And then looking in verse 20, or in chapter 22, verse 1, and I'm going to tell you off the bat, I'm going to call the folks on the east side of the Jordan River, the East Siders, and the rest of Israel is going to be called the West Siders, because I think it will help us all get, keep track of the main idea and not get lost in the, the details here. Chapter 22, verse 1. At that time, Joshua summoned the East Siders and said to them, you remember, folks, that they had come and fought with the people of Israel. And helped conquer that land on the west side when their land was already conquered. And so he's commending them for this. Now verse 2. He said to them, you have kept all that, the Mo- that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. And have obey- obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not forgotten your brothers these many days down to this day. But have been careful to keep the charge of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brothers as He promised them. Therefore, turn and go to your tents in the land where your possession lies, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God and to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments and to cling to Him and to serve Him with all your heart. And with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away. And they went to their tents. Jumping down to verse 10. Listen to this incident that occurs and what it will teach us about trusting each other. And unity in the body of believers. Verse 10. And when they, the east siders, came to the region of the Jordan that is in the land of Canaan, the people of the east side built an altar there of opposing side. And the people of the west side, verse 11, heard and said, Behold, the people of the east side have built an altar in the front land of Canaan in the region of the Jordan. On that side, that belongs to the west siders. And when the people of the west side heard it, the whole assembly of the people of the west side gathered at Shiloh to make war against them. Then the people of the west side sent to the people of the east side Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, and with him ten chiefs, and so on and so forth, down to verse 16. And they said, thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, what is this breach of faith that you've committed against the God of Israel in turning away this day from following the Lord by building yourselves in this day an altar of rebellion against the Lord? Jump down with me to verse 19. But now, if the land of your possession is unclean, pass back over into the Lord's land where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and take for yourselves a possession among us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, or make us as rebels by building yourselves an altar other than the altar of the Lord. Did not Achan the son of Zerah break faith with the matter of the devoted things? And wrath fell upon all the congregation of Israel, and he did not perish alone for his iniquity. Jumping down to verse 24, the East Siders emphatically deny that they're doing some sort of false worship. They say, No, but we did it from fear. That in time to come, your children, the children of the West Siders, might say to our children, the children of the East Siders, What have you to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? Jump to verse 29. Far be it, the east siders say, from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn away this day from following the Lord by building an altar. And verse 30. When Phineas, the priests and the chiefs of the congregation, the heads of the family of the west side, heard the words of the east side, it was good in their eyes. And Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the said to the people of the east side, Today we know that the Lord is in our midst because you have not committed this breach of faith against the Lord. Now you have delivered the people of Israel from the hand of the Lord. And verse 33, The report was good in the eyes of the people of the west side. And the people of the west side blessed and spoke no more, making war against them to destroy the land where the east siders dwelled. And the people of the east side said, the altars called a witness, for they said it's a witness between us that the Lord is God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for the crucial lessons for our walk with you today that we can learn from this passage, the details of which I know are hard for us to follow and situated long ago in another time and place but that are absolutely vital for our life in you today. We thank you for this word. Teach us through it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I think you get the main idea, certainly, of that second part of the passage we looked at. And as we see these people of God coming very near the edge of conflict with one another. It certainly draws our attention to our propensity to sometimes divide from one another, even in a church family. It reminds me of the story maybe you've heard of, the man who was discovered on a deserted island, and he had been there for years by himself. And the captain of the rescue ship that came in and was bringing him out from there and loading him onto the ship, looked back and he saw with amazement not only that the man had survived for so many years alone on this island, but that he had built three structures up on a hill. The captain of the ship asked him about it. said, tell me, what's that first building for? He said, well, that's that's my church. That's where I go to church. He said, well, what about that second building? He said, oh, that's, that's my house where I live. Captain of the ship said, well, what's that third building? He said, that's the church I used to go to. It's easy if we're not walking in a place of trusting God to get in a place, too, where we fail to trust one another. And really, the two go hand in hand. And this scripture brings that item to light for us in such a helpful way. If you want to follow along in your worship guide in the back section of the sermon note section, the main idea, I think, is just this, that God establishes his promised kingdom. That's what he's doing for them back then. That's what he's doing in our lives today among his people so we can trust him and we can trust each other. That's the message of this passage and we see it playing out it affects our lives in a lot of ways in chapter 22 at the beginning we saw this issue of trusting god is pretty central for us they're given and reminded in verse 5 and 6 of these commandments that god has given and to be careful to walk in them well it's it's not easy for us to do that remember one of the chief tricks that uh the evil one pulled on adam and eve in the garden was not just to say Has God said, he did that, but he also said, didn't God say that you should not eat of it and not touch it either? What was he doing? What was his angle there that he was trying to pull with Adam and Eve? Trying to make them think, hey, God's just the ogre in the sky by and by. He's just looking for ways to constrain your life. He's not trying to bless you or improve your life, draw you closer to Him through giving you good commandments to follow. He actually wants to just limit you and rob you of joy. He's not going to let you eat it. He's not even going to let you touch it, even though that's not what God said. So it's the evil one's propensity, and it's our sinful propensity to think that uh, God's not to be trusted. And since we can't really trust Him, we sure aren't going to obey His commands, His words for us. That's one area we're going to see that this passage blesses us. We also see here the idea of trusting God for His provision. We're going to talk about it, a specific situation, the beginning of the verses, where the Levites come. They were kind of the ministry, religious leaders, spiritual leaders, I guess, missionaries, pastors, those kind of folks, coming, And saying, hey, where is that provision that we're supposed to have? Everybody else has got their designated spot. It's a reminder, really, though, for all of us. All of us are in a place of needing to trust God for his provision. And what a dynamic it creates in our lives. If we're able to realize, hey, God is the one that's blessing me and providing for me. It takes away from our lives that cancer of discontentment that so easily eats us up. We'll take a look at that today, And then we see this reminder to trust one another. You saw it here. The West Siders are about to fly off the handle. They're coming ready for war. And the East Siders are like, "Hey, we didn't even do anything wrong. What's the big deal?" Potentially could have erupted into a huge conflict. And we're reminded here of how we ought to be so careful to seek to trust one another, in our marriages, in our friendships absolutely in our church relationships to assume the best and seek to relate to one another in mutual love and encouragement. Well, all of that is sort of situated around It's beautiful. The passage doesn't just tell us, hey, you ought to trust God and you ought to trust one another, but it gives us the the bedrock, the foundation for doing that. Look with me at verse 43 in chapter 21. I, I highlighted it as we were reading, but look at it again with me. It says, Thus the Lord gave Israel all the land that He swore. And it goes on to talk about how He conquered their enemies and provided them rest. It's talking about not just rest from battle, but the spiritual rest that comes from knowing who God is. What's that tell us? That God is faithful to be who He says He's going to be. And because He is faithful, we can trust Him. You know, growing up, we... uh, had the privilege, the joy in the summer times as a family being able to go and visit the extended Peters family that I think I mentioned last week in the sermon as well in uh, central PA along the Susquehanna River. I guess functioned a lot like maybe lakes around here would for summer boating, entertainment and whatnot, do some water skiing where the water was deep enough and so forth. But my favorite thing, and I remember it vividly, was each year we'd come along that familiar spot where along the edge of the river was that huge tree with a massive branch that extended out over the water. And hanging down from it was that big, thick rope. And even though we'd been there, you know, the year before and probably the year before that, you know what my dad and my uncles would do. they would walk over and take a look at that tree again and at the branches up there and make sure it looked fairly stable and the knot where the big rope was tied on and maybe one of them with a little more weight than us youngsters would even kind of get on that rope a little bit hang on it see if it would hold up sufficiently now could you hop on that rope and swing on out in the water without checking it out or checking the water depth below out absolutely but we did that to check to see is this reliable is this something we can trust and had all that much more enjoyment and I'm sure my parents did as well. More comfort sending us kids on out there to swing out into that water. And that's kind of the picture we have today as we think about trusting God and trusting each other. Because God is reliable, faithful in all that he does, we can swing into trusting him and swing in to trusting each other with great joy, great blessing. Well, how's this play out? The first thing we see in the passage is the opportunity to trust God. And we see it in a number of ways. I'm going to run through these quickly, and I'll tell you in advance, we may, we may, we may be on a 35er today instead of a 30. So y'all just you know, hang tight. It'll be worth it, I think says in verse 41 and verse 42 of chapter 21, and you'd have to be a little bit of a geography Bible, geography buff to probably pick it up, but it says about these cities the Levites were designated in the verses we sort of skipped over, you know, half of those places or a number of those places are located in the area that the Israelites, that the people of God have not yet secured. They're being promised something that's, Not yet there. Notice as well it says that there's 48 cities for the pasture lands of the Levites. That's a lot of space for a relatively, at this time, small group of people. What's the message? The people of God are being invited to trust God to expand His work. Haven't we had the privilege of being able to trust God to expand His work in our midst Seeing one of our own, who was here for a year or so, Rick Hutchinson, and his family launching a church plant on the other side of town in Springville. Seeing one of our assistant pastors, Lanier Wood, go down and launch a brand new campus ministry at the University of South Alabama. Seeing the Morgans, who we were just getting to know when we began our church over in Ireland now, serving in mission work there. Seeing our backyard Bible clubs we just shared about. You know, the first year we had 20 kids show up. After taking brochures to 600 homes, and guess who the 20 kids belonged to? All the families that are in our, were in our church at the time could have been discouraging. Had to trust God and see him the next year bring 45, the next year bring 90, the next year bring 140. And it's not about the numbers. It's about God expanding his work. Trusting God to expand his work even now as our uh, church leadership continues to meet and talk with those around our area that own land and looking for the future facility needs for our church. Trusting God to expand and extend life groups and small groups that we've seen him bringing new people into. and People's lives being touched by God's word. We trust him to expand his work. We don't just trust him for that, though. We trust him in order to follow his good commands and to obey his word as we seek to expand his kingdom. Look again at chapter 22, verses 5 and 6. What was Joshua's big parting words to the east siders? Hey, seek to love the Lord. Seek to know his commandments and seek to follow him. As I said earlier, we don't do that if we let the evil one continue to run this tape in our minds that somehow God's not interested in our good. That somehow He's trying to keep something from us. The only way we do that is if we trust and believe who God is. Then we begin to follow His Word. And then we can be like Psalm 1 describes. I work on this one with my, my boys on the way to the bus stop. It's not far to the bus stop, so we have to, have to cover a lot of Scripture fast. But on, the, on those mornings we're walking over to the bus stop, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But what? His delight. His delight. Is in the law of the Lord, and on His law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. We're going to trust to seek to have our lives identified and conform to God's word. We have to believe that He's going to bear that kind of fruit in our lives. It takes trust. Third thing we see about trusting God. And this one will seem, i got to confess on the surface, I guess seem a little bit self-serving, but I hope you'll see the overall picture for it. It's right here in black and white in the Scriptures. And you know I've just been working through Joshua, so here it is. But it's a reminder in verses 1 and 3, the Levites, the spiritual leaders, the ministry heads, director of different ministries and, and leaders, I guess you'd say missionaries, are coming and saying, hey, we know we've got a little bit different function among the people, but let's remember these pasture lands that were designated for us. Now, let me say, first off, that God is abundantly glorified in every calling, in, in being a doctor, a lawyer, a candlestick maker. And in fact, I'll say this, and I want this to be really clear, that the doctor, lawyer, candlestick maker that does his or her work to the glory of God and for his purposes is so much more fulfilling their God-given calling than a person that may be in some ministry role or heading a certain agency or ministry that's not keeping in step with the Lord or that's grown lax in trusting him. Okay? So that's important. And at the same time, there are these folks designated in the Old Testament, the Levites. And, of course, we can think of them today, the pastors the missionaries, folks who are heading up an adoption agency or heading up a ministry to substance abuse folks or or heading up a prison ministries or crisis pregnancy centers or whatever you want to name it. They provide a, a, a benefit, but it's a kingdom benefit. It doesn't have any tangible value in this world and in this society. And so the Old Testament people were called to carve out that area for them. You know, I had the privilege of meditating on the whole opportunity to trust God in his provision for a ministry and leader spiritual leaders this week I had the privilege of going to the funeral for Matt Redmond's father and uh, Matt's among our congregation here and you know um, those guys there's four brothers Matt's the youngest of them the banter was rather hysterical and uh, and also you had an attorney in the mix one that was a pastor, Matt, who's trained as a pastor and as an author. So, uh, you know, they, they used up the full funeral time. You know, we were, we were trusting God we were going to get out in time for lunch. So it was a wonderful ceremony, and they were making fun of themselves with all that. But each one of them, each one of those sons who's walking with the Lord today, gave testimony to how their father, when he was about 38 years old, in the midst of, a, a, I guess you'd call it a secular career, decided to follow God's calling to go to seminary to get trained into ministry. And to this day, each one of them, I think, mentioned that as a place that they saw their family trusting God. So we trust God to provide for the spiritual leadership of his people. And we're also called to trust one another. And let me kind of bring our our time around. We've got a minute or two left. Around this topic that's in chapters 22, chapter 22 for the most part. I think you get the picture here. The East Siders have been sent out. Now, remember, they had been incredibly faithful. Their land was already conquered. Technically, I guess they could have just chilled out at home while everybody else is going to conquer the West Side. But they come over and help out. Now they're going back over and while they're doing it, what do they do? They set something up that looks fishy. It looks a little uncertain, a little suspect to the people on the west side, and the west siders are coming now, loaded for bear. You're about to have a serious conflict and collision. I share this this morning with permission. I was chatting with our neighbors, Stephen and Lexi, who are here with us today, They're right next door to us and we were visiting yesterday and talking about this. They had told me a month or so ago that when I had come home late at night, I don't remember what I was coming home from, but it was, you know, after 11 or so, that they had been startled me coming in that side door that's about 40 feet really from their house. And I knew about that, but I didn't know the whole story until yesterday. This was after Stephen had gone to sleep. I guess Lexi was still up. And we've had a few little incidents in the neighborhood, of crime and so forth. She apparently looked through the window and thought she was witnessing one of those as I was seeking to walk up my back steps and come into my back door much later than I would normally come home. Well, she awoke Stephen, tried to deal with the situation, and his groggy condition grabbed and loaded the household firearm. Headed out to the porch thankfully reason prevailed and maybe he got a little bit more alert by the time otherwise you all be looking for a new pastor looking for God to provide looking for God to provide in a different way for the the Levites and uh you know I did, the only thing I, the only thing I'll say is you know if you're going by our house or you know Stephen and Lexi's grab a cup of sugar or just stop by in the evening you know phone first recommend posing first a little Kevlar a little Kevlar would not be bad either and Stephen, I know you were gunning for the, uh, you know, Capital W Award in the Neighborhood Watch, and, and you got my vote for this, <laughs> this next year. So, But you know how those things can go, don't you? In our marriage relationships, in our friendships, and absolutely among the people of God. When we start to think something's going on, like these Westsiders do, we see something happening. If we don't pause and take a step back, we can get really at odds with one another. And it's a beautiful thing in this passage. You see what the West Siders do? They even go so far as to say, now they're they're coming loaded for bear, but then eventually they pull up and they say, Hey, what's going on? And they even go so far as to say, You know what? It's kind of crowded already over on the west side, but if you want to come back over, we'll do that. They're extending some kind of olive branch saying, hey, if you guys are running down this road of some kind of false worship and moving away from the Lord, if that's what's happening here, come back over if that will help keep you walking with the Lord. And the Eastsiders, you know, they could be, you can imagine, they'd be pretty upset they've been faithful all these years. They go to set up what to them is just a reminder thing, and now the other folks are accusing them of something that they haven't even in their mind thought about. But what comes to light in the midst of it? Did you notice? The Eastsiders admit in verse 24 of chapter 22, you know, actually, we were afraid. We really had some fear about our relationship with each other. We weren't sure if we could trust that you all were going to be there with us and have our back down the line. And so we built this thing really out of fear because we wanted to have a reminder there and try to keep it in your mind and our mind that we were together. They had some doubt about whether they were united with one another. Isn't it a beautiful thing in the body of Christ that we can have that connection with one another? That's sustained by the Lord and by His goodness and His work. And it also is sustained by us, you know, thinking better than, of others than ourselves, as it says in Philippians, and assuming the best with people and taking that log out of our own eye before we seek to remove the speck in our brothers. Those are the kind of things that will help us to grow and love and serve as God's people. One last thing I'll mention, which is a little bit of an aside, but it's just mapped all through this passage as well. You know what they don't say? The Eastsiders don't say, hey, you shouldn't be concerned with whether we're worshiping God or not. They say, yeah, we, okay, we, we understand. That's not what we're doing but we understand, and if we are doing that, then, then yeah, that's a big problem. And I think it's just a reminder for us that, that while we come here uh, each week seeking to celebrate who God is, seeking to, to know and to hear His Word, seeking hopefully to welcome and encourage one another in that same unity, that God invites us to come to Him as He desires for us to come to Him. You know, coming to, to worship... In whatever form, personally or corporately, it's more like Valentine's Day than like Mother's Day, right? Next week's Mother's Day, and the mothers among us probably are going to be pleased as punch with whatever your kiddos get you. My boys, it's a random run through Target, and they come up with all kinds of stuff. It's entertaining. But mom's going to be happy because of just the intentionality behind it. Not the same way on Valentine's Day, is it, gentlemen? If you want to keep the old relationship going, Valentine's Day, you not only need to have the intention, but you need to at least make a valid effort. Receipts are good to substantiate if you have them of saying, hey, I want to try to love you in the way that you are inviting me to love you. And I think worship is kind of that way too, that God cares, He really does how we come to Him. And so while the worship service can have different elements and components to it, it ought to be biblical. It ought to flow out of what the Bible says worship should be. And we ought to pray for our church to be marked by that kind of worship as well. That kind of posture that says we we really want to please You, Lord, as we gather together. Trusting God, trusting one another in God's kingdom And for God's glory. Let's pray together. Father we are so grateful. That you are. uh, Like that rope. I guess it's not a perfect image. But Lord that you are faithful. You are dependable. In all that you are. And so we can rest our whole weight. Upon you. Our whole lives upon you. And trust you to be doing the work of expanding your kingdom and to join you with that. We can trust you to follow your commands. We can trust you to provide for the ministries that you call us to participate in or to provide for the support of those. Father, we can trust you to allow us to love and serve and connect with one another in deep ways and to be protected in unity in the bond of Christ. And we thank you for that. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.